I wonder how you're spending your lockdown days. We've completely reconfigured our kitchen, Sarah and Mims have completely culled the airing cupboard, and Sam's been building a bookcase from a discarded pallet in the loft. These are some of the ways we've been spending our lockdown days. Let's be honest, it's displacement activity, at a time when life is not normal and the world is not normal. It's natural to look for other things to do when we lack a sense of purpose, when we're not sure uh, how to get through these days and what's coming next. I wonder what displacement activity has been happening in your household. Of course, that's what Peter and the disciples were doing at the Sea of Galilee. It was displacement activity. Notice there are just six of them. The disciples fought throughout the Gospels for preeminence as to who was most important. Uh, they fought in all kinds of ways and, and Jesus had to tell them off on a number of occasions and call them to a greater servant-heartedness. I wonder after Easter, when Peter had denied Jesus three times, disowned him, whether his leadership role had been questioned. We're not quite sure why they're in Galilee rather than Jerusalem at all, but notice there are only five disciples with him. It's gone right back to basics. They've gone home. They've gone right back to what was most familiar. And here they are engaged in displacement activity because they don't know what's going to happen next. They don't know what Peter's leadership role will be. They go right back to what they were doing when they were first called. They go right back to fishing and they spend a whole night fishing, and yet they catch nothing. They've gone back to old certainties, to old ways, and yet still, still those old ways are not fruitful. So that time of transition, that time of change, they've gone right back to the old ways, and the old ways are no longer enough. The old ways are no longer fruitful. The dawn comes, they've caught nothing. Somebody on the shore, probably quite a way away, they don't recognise Jesus, calls to them, basically, have you caught anything? No, is the reply. No, but probably quite a lot of Anglo-Saxon cursing under their breaths, because they're frustrated. They went back to the familiar, and the familiar has not given them what they were seeking. It's displacement activity. Even that displacement activity is really frustrating in that moment. And then this wiseacre on the shore tells them to cast their nets down to the right-hand side. Maybe, maybe remembering what happened in Luke 5 and the miraculous catch of fish, they comply. And suddenly the nets are so full that it looks like yet again, as it happened in Luke 5, they're about to sink. 153 large fish. You can tell that a fisherman was involved in this story because they counted them when they got to the shore. 153 large fish are caught. And Peter realises in that moment that it must be the Lord. And so he characteristically bold, characteristically bullish, just jumps out of the boat and swims and makes his way to the shore. Makes his way to the shore but doesn't know what to do next. One of the things I want you to notice is the simple pleasure of being together. Jesus obviously likes barbecues much more than I do and he's set up an oven on the shore. He's already cooking some fish and some bread and he invites them to bring some of the fish that they've caught and cook it. 
No conversation is recorded. There's a simple pleasure of being together. I'm sure they had questions as to what this meant because this was where they were called in the first place. I'm sure they had questions and yet there is time taken over the simple pleasure of being together. After the simple meal at the shoreline, after the simple pleasure of being together, Jesus deals with the conflict. Remember, there are only five disciples with Peter. They've been wrangling throughout Jesus's ministry as, who was, as to who was most important. And after Peter's uh, failure, after he disowned Jesus three times, I'm sure his leadership role was questioned. Had he fallen from grace to such an extent that he could no longer hold that preeminent position? So Jesus challenges him publicly so there are witnesses because it matters not just to Peter, it matters to the wider discipleship group. Jesus challenges him three times. The first two occasions, Jesus uses the word agape, which is the self-giving, self-emptying love that took Jesus to the cross. It is an utterly servant-hearted love. And Jesus says to Peter, Peter, do you love me more than these? Do you love me in this way more than these? Peter won't claim to be better or to go further than others anymore. He simply says, Lord, you know that I love you. Using a word for friendship, he won't claim to be at all Christ-like anymore. And then Jesus calls him back. Simon, feed my sheep. That happens twice. The third time, Jesus uses the word that Peter himself has used. Not, will you love me in a Christ-like way? Will you love me in a cross-shaped way? Now it is, Peter, will you love me as a friend? And at that point, I think Peter's broken-hearted. And he basically says, Lord, you know that I love you. You know everything. And Jesus again challenges him to feed my lambs, to feed my sheep. And then he goes on to make a promise. It doesn't look like a promise, but it's a promise that when Peter again faces the challenge to follow Jesus to the cross himself, on that occasion he will not fail. That's what Jesus prophesies over Peter. And then he simply says, follow me. So he has restored Peter three times, just as Peter had disowned him three times. And he has restored his call, restored his leadership of the early church. And he's done it publicly and gently. So what does all this mean for us in our lockdown days? Or well, first notice that Jesus takes the initiative to deal with conflict, to bring it out into the open and to resolve it. For all of us living in situations where we're stressed and we're living in a stressful world, lots of things can be magnified at the, at the moment. And the thing about magnification is it brings things out of their real perspective. So just take some time to reflect about the things that are stressing you out and the issues that maybe need to be resolved. And it's a great time to resolve things in wider family contexts. What we're facing at the moment does provide healthy perspective on lots of things that normally wind us up. Is this as an opportunity to bring resolution and forgiveness uh, to wider family conflicts? And it's also an opportunity to connect with pastoral staff or maybe to use the marriage course, which HDB are streaming every Monday evening 
to help us deal with the things that are coming into focus at the moment. Remember, they're magnified because of the situation in which we're living. They need to be seen in proper healthy perspective and worked through. Jesus takes the initiative, having just reassured them that they all matter to him by spending time with them and by cooking for them, he then deals with the conflict. Don't let things get out of perspective, deal with them and pastoral staff are happy to be part of helping you to do that. Second thing, we're not going back to normal. Uh, Peter tried to go back to life as it was and it didn't work. Whatever situation will look like after lockdown and after however many lockdowns we might face, life won't be quite as it was before, or at least it will take time to get back to normal. We've all had to embrace lots of different things. I'm having to learn to use all kinds of technology that I was reluctant to embrace before. I know that there are many others in that situation. So I guess the question is, are we waiting well? What is the Lord teaching us through these lockdown days? How are you growing in your relationships? How are you growing in your relationship with God? Uh, how can you use the time? Rather than in displacement activity, it's a very, very rickety book bookcase that Sam is building in the loft. What could you be doing in this time? How could you be studying? How could you be working? How could you be sharpening your skills for the future? whatever the future looks like. In the midst of all the displacement activity, I guess the question is, are we waiting well for what comes next? Jesus reminds us in this passage that it's not our failures that determine who we are. They're not the things that define us. It is love that defines us. It is love that qualifies us to serve. I think the invitation today and in coming weeks is to ask the Lord to pour out his love into our hearts afresh and to show us how we can show that love to others. It is love that qualifies us to serve. It is love that liberates Peter to become the extraordinary leader he became in the first church and around the known world. So ask for the Lord to fill your heart with love, to fill your relationships, your households with love afresh this day, and ask him to show you how to share that love with others. Thanks for listening.